Hi, I'm Kathy Bixel, and welcome to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. Today, we are going to continue our series on being battle ready. I hope that many of you that have not been able to so far um, can listen to our prior podcast leading up to this one, as this is part four in our series. And I also want to take the time to thank those of you that have contacted us um, to uh, let us know how much this podcast has been encouraging you, inspiring you. And uh, that just means uh, the world to us because our efforts are to build up a strong, uh, strong believers in this season. And so uh, we are encouraged by the ways in which you are prospering, which you are maturing and growing in Christ as we move through uh, this season of crisis in our nation. Uh, and not only nationally, but for many of us personally, corporately, uh, pers- all of us have been affected in one way or another through the pandemic. And so this is an appropriate, well-timed series for this season. So we are going to jump right into the Word of God this morning. Well, at least it's morning where I am at this moment that I'm recording. And uh, we're going to establish for you the importance of having and possessing a sober mindset in the midst of battle. In other words, we're going to talk about what the scriptures encourage us to do, and that is to live soberly and uh, really unpack what that means, because we're going to find out that our, you know, our spiritual fathers really laid that down as an important part of living victoriously, that we are to live soberly as Christians. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, let's believe there, let's uh, begin there. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, You are all children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, uh, the Apostle Paul once again, as he's writing to establish how a leader should live, says to tells them to be blameless to be vigilant to be sober 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse 11 wives are even admonished by the apostle we're going to find out that the apostle is not leaving any rock unturned here everyone is going to be told to live soberly wives live not as slanderers but be sober faithful in all things in Titus chapter 2 verse 2 that uh, the Apostle Paul tells the aged men to be sober. Titus chapter 2, verse 4, the aged women are to teach the young women to do what? To be sober. Titus 2, 6, young men are told to be sober-minded. And then in chapter 2, verse 12 of the book of Titus, that the Apostle Paul tells us that the grace of God has been given to us to teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and it encourages us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then we see not only the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Peter urges us as believers to gird up the loins of our minds to be sober. 1 Peter 4, 7, once again, 
we are told to be sober and watch unto prayer. And then in 1 Peter 5, 7, the granddaddy scripture of them all, he tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary as a roaring lion is walking about seeking whom he may devour. So I think you get the picture by this the reading of these scriptures that this uh, that this concept of being sober and living soberly is of utmost importance to us as Christians. So you know we have a, a saying, or I guess it's uh, been I guess popular now. To say within the culture, this whole concept uh, of being woke, I'm I'm sure, especially many of my young listeners, <laughs> have probably heard that, and uh, and we it's it's kind of been been a, a cultural description that's uh, that's been used for the past several years to describe someone uh, uh, as woke, as one who is well informed and up to date, uh, and alert, so to speak. Uh, especially as it relates to racial and social discrimination and injustice. So that terminology is used in our culture to express this idea of being alert, of being well-informed and up-to-date. And uh, it's become the kind of the buzzword over the past uh, several years as uh, someone who is alerted to all that's happening uh, concerning injustice and is actually activated around it. And that is a word that probably adequately describes that. So let's pivot off that word about being woke and let's, let's, let's apply that to a concept or the idea of being spiritually woke. And that means to me is having a proper understanding, being well-informed, being up-to-date through the scripture, not through culture, but to be up-to-date through the scripture uh, to be alerted, well-informed about the reality in which we live in. We want to be woke. We want to be spiritually awakened. So if we'll use that verbiage, it is to be spiritually awake. And this is really, I know the, uh, the, the anointing or the message in my heart is to wake up the body of Christ in my um, in my book, The Radical Rising Remnant, uh, for those of you that have not um, had the opportunity to read it, it's available on our website. We have it in digital format on Amazon, uh, and uh, you can get Kindle ver version, of course, as the uh, is the digital the digital version. But you could also get it on our website at kathybixel.com. But I speak to in, uh, in this book, uh, I speak to the importance and the necessity of us awakening as Christians. And I just want to take a moment to read you uh, two paragraphs here, just a few paragraphs, so that you understand the context out of which I'm releasing this message to you today about the importance of being living soberly. That, you know, I see a lot of, I just see a lot of silliness in the body of Christ right now, silly teaching, silly behavior, um, immaturity that is is not 
what we should be wearing right now if especially as leaders if we want to uh to up an army of strong believers that are going to you know that are going to be able to stand and and have a level of resistance against the against the onslaught of the enemy in this hour so let me just start here i'm reading uh beginning in uh on page 71 and the chapter's entitled, While You Were Sleeping. Uh, there is a condition of deep, deep sleep that has fallen on the Western church. Many, us many of us have become intoxicated with the wine of the world, drunk deeply of its distractions and despair, and now find ourselves in a near comatose state of sleep. Our systems are working but we are not experiencing life as the Father intends. We are spiritual sleepwalkers going through the motions, but not cognizant of the true nature of things around us. Jesus knew all too well that sleep would tempt his disciples in the most critical moments. There is nothing new under the sun, and the spirit of slumber that fell on the disciples in the garden is the same one the enemy seeks to unleash on us today. The effects of our slumber are tangible, resulting in defeated lifestyles and mindsets because we are not alert enough to detect the enemy's tactics. So while we are sleeping, the enemy has come in to steal, to kill, and destroy our health our finances, our emotional well-being, and most importantly, our families. The sheer number of believers afflicted with terminal illnesses, broken marriages, grievous financial losses, and mental oppression serves as our wake-up call to the enemy's escalated offense. As believers in Christ Jesus, God has blessed us beyond measure with blessings too abundant to enumerate. We have been set free from the power of sin, sickness, and spiritual death, only then to be joyously ushered into a spiritual kingdom of authority, light, love, peace, healing, and provision. But many believers fail to realize that although we have received this great freedom by faith, we have a spiritual enemy who daily opposes our actual experience of that freedom. God freely gave Israel their promised land, but they had to go in and do the work of removing the giants that violently opposed their actual possession of it. We too must engage in a good fight of faith as we seek to tangibly experience all that God has already provided. And then I quote here the brilliant words of prophet and author Graham Cook, who said, we don't have to do anything to get into the presence of God. That's a gift. It comes with salvation. We don't do anything to get there, but we must do everything to stay there. That's our job. And so I go on in this chapter to give an acronym for the word AWAKE what it means to be awake, because we are going to find out as we study, uh, we study this, which will probably also uh, involve me doing a second podcast on this subject for next week, but that this, the, the apostles gave this, this admonition of being sober and vigilant. All often we see both words, sober 
and vigilant used at the same time. So there is this watchfulness, this vigilance around how we should be living. So I take the word awake, what it means to be awake. Awake, A, is to be aware of the cosmic battle between the darkness and the light. This is how every believer should be living now. Not, we're going to find out, not necessarily uh, according to how some would think we should be living, but this is how the Bible, when we have a Bible, a biblical worldview, rather, this is how we should be living. We should be, A, aware of the cosmic battle between the darkness and the light. We should be W, walking in the transforming power of God's word and his spirit. We should be A, activated in our gifts and our callings. K, we should be keeping the flame of God burning in our hearts through prayer. And E, we should be energized by the spirit to live a holy and righteous life. I feel more awake just reading that. So this is what it means. So while our culture talks about being woke, we can be, as Christians, we need to be awakened. We need to be awake. So let's look a little bit more about this word sober, what it means. Well, it actually in the Greek is uh, a form of the word sozo or sos because it is it relates to being saved. It actually means to have a saved mind that we need to be thinking correctly, that we have to have a saved mind that is, uh, some of the, the words here are to, to be self-controlled, to not have runaway emotions, which is something we may talk about on our next uh, podcast as it relates to being sober-minded. But one of the definitions I like the best comes out of Vine's Dictionary of New Testament Words. When we look at Titus chapter 2.12, which I just read to you, where it says that the grace of God teaches us to live soberly, righteously, and godly, Vines writes of this word soberly that it suggests the exercise of self-restraint that governs all passions and desires, and listen to this, enabling the believer to be conformed to the mind of Christ. When I think of be, having a sound mind and living soberly, I think of having the mind of Christ. How did Jesus live when he was here and what is his mind now? What are his thoughts now? What should our mindset be that he had? It should be the mindset, you and I should have a sound mindset that is a way of thinking that a saved person has that a person walking in the kingdom of light that has been translated out of the kingdom of darkness that has have that we have had our sins forgiving forgiven we have been translated as i said out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light our sins forgiven and atoned for that we have been given the spirit of God we have been born again been made anew have a recreated spirit we should have a sound mindset and so pivoting off of that i want to talk about what it what is the mind of christ what are some aspects of the mind of christ 
Now, we cannot completely unpack that in just the next 15 minutes, but I just want to highlight some things that I think are important for us. Number one, having a mi- the mind of Christ means having a mindset that or a way of life that understands that the enemy can have nothing in us. Jesus, in John chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus said this, that Satan has nothing, uh, and actually in, uh, in the King James Version, it says, Satan has nothing in me. But in the Passion Translation, John 14, 30 reads, Satan has nothing to use against me. Jesus walked around on the earth in his daily life, making sure that the enemy had nothing in him. As uh, Brian Simmons translates here in the Passion, he has nothing to use against me. Having a way of approaching your spiritual life, having an understanding that the enemy, that there is an enemy, there are promises, there is protection, there is blessing, there is joy, there is peace. But all of those promises that we have, once again, I remind you, as I did on the pages of my book, is that is in a land, those promises are in a land where there are giants. And regrettably, I think that part, what has weakened us in the body of Christ is our diet. Well, you might ask, well, what do you mean a healthy diet? What does that have to do with living soberly? Well, I think it all comes down to our our mindsets are formed through words and what we hear. And, you know, if all we are doing is hearing messages that just, that just, enumerate for us the blessings that we have in God. And and they are great and they are worthy to be expounded upon for sure. But if all we hear is kind of new agey, feel good, happy talk messages, if that's all we're preaching to people and teaching people so that when they come to church, they are just feeling encouraged and inspired then because we want to keep them there so that they will just keep coming and filling the seat. You know, I have one minister friend of mine, he calls it the nickels and the noses. Then we are not properly equipping them for the hour in which we are living. From the very beginning I have, uh, of this pandemic, I have been preaching and teaching about the importance of what Jesus said. Let's just go back to the Bible, to what Jesus said. We don't even necessarily need a dream or a vision about what's coming. We just need to listen to the words of Jesus. He said for us to watch and to pray that these things would come, but for us to be watchful. But if we have this mindset that that, oh my gosh, something bad is happening. What's wrong with my Christianity? We don't have a proper worldview of really what it means to be a Christian and what it means to, to be a Christ follower in this world. When you're a Christ follower, it means that you have Christ in you. You've been given the mind of Christ so that you can overcome this fallen, evil world. And so what happens is we have been on a low-level baby diet, 
And that, that, that causes us to tremble at the slightest bit of trouble, to right away try to figure out what God, or, or to even get angry at God that he's not moving fast enough and he's not doing the things that we want him to do, because after all, aren't we supposed to be blessed? Well, I want to take this opportunity to remind you that yes, we are blessed and that is, after all, what we want to experience, but we need to also take into deep reflection what our forefathers warned us of, that there is a devil, that an adversary, one who is against us, that is prowling around, who seeks to devour us. And so in order to counteract that devourer, we have to live soberly. We have to have a mindset that is like Christ. And that first begins with making sure the enemy has nothing in you. You know, something as basic in warfare is, is knowing that you can build walls around your city to, con to control whether or not the enemy can come in to your city. And for many of us, our, we have cracks in our walls. Some of us, our, our walls are down and the enemy has free access. Instead of living soberly, we have given the enemy access through a lack of strength in keeping strong walls around us because we have been weakened by a kind of, you know, no disparagement to Hallmark at all, a big disclaimer here, but sort of a Hallmark card Christianity, where we're just told over and over, everything is just going to be all right. And, you know, just cast your care on the Lord. Well, I am not negating the power of that scripture. I live it and I need it. We need to cast our care on the Lord. But the next verses tell us that we are also, after we cast our care on him, that we need to live soberly and be vigilant because we have an adversary. You know, I think of the great British General Cromwell, who used to say to his troops, you know, in the British Civil War, he, used, he was the great general in the British Civil War, and he used to say to them, you know, you need to, we need to trust God but we also need to keep our gunpowder dry, right? So that means that, yes, we cast our care on him, but we also have to understand and have the proper mindset concerning the reality of life as a believer so that we are not taken awares, that we are not thrown off balance, so that we are not so easily distracted and depressed and discouraged and oppressed and so easily, easily take as truth the devil's lies, that when he comes to contradict the word, we don't swallow it so easily because we are aware of his devices, that we can live carefree, but not carelessly. I'm going to say that one more time. We can live carefree, but not carelessly. And when we live soberly, that is how our lives are. They are balanced. They are 
sober. We are not intoxicated by false teaching. We are not swayed by the ways of the world and how the culture tells us we need to process things. We have a heavenly economy. We have a healthcare system. Think of everything that we have in the kingdom of God that has been provided for us to live triumphantly in this world right? While we are of another. We have a heavenly healthcare system. We have a heavenly economic system. We have a, we have the best mental health antidote, mental health um, protocols in the world are written in the word of God. So let's gird ourselves up. Let's have the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ means having, first of all, your mind filled with the word of God, which many of my listeners already, we we know the importance of knowing what the word of God says about us. But we also have to understand what the Bible teaches about the reality that we are in in the world. And it is a, as I said, in the first letter of Awake, We are awakened to the cosmic battle that is around us every day. It just so um, grieves me and, and brings my heart to tears to see so many believers subjected to the words that are that are spoken through media, the how it is trying to generate fear and panic in us. When we have to, we have to understand what the Bible teaches us about the way the world is. Do you know that all our political system is just not a political system? That there are leaders and, you know, all across the globe, there are, there are spiritual beings, there are principalities and powers that are behind leaders, governmental leaders, good and bad. There are angels around many and there are demons empowering others. But I can tell you that maybe someone listening to this podcast for the first time heard me say that and would say, wow, that lady is off the wall. She's talking about governmental leaders being influenced by demons. But if either I'm going to have the happy, clappy Christianity that some of modern preachers want to present to me, or I'm going to have a, a or experience a Christianity that is going to empower me and my family to live triumphantly in this day, to be healthy, to be strong, to have provision, to have sound minds, to create generational blessing that will go to my children and my children's children, or I'm going to have a mindset that just wants to conform culture so that I'm accepted and even other brothers and sisters who are also Christians um, find me acceptable. The, the, The idea of even mentioning a demon or talking about about the demonic in certain church environments is, you know, anathema to heresy. But when I open my Bible, I see the Apostle Paul telling me that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that we are not contending with physical opponents, but against the depotisms, the powers, the master spirits that are in the world rulers of the darkness of this they are rulers of this present darkness 
rulers of this present darkness. So when there's dark stuff happening in your world and around you, guarantee if it's dark, there's a devil behind it. And that doesn't mean that I wake up every morning and I say this all the time because I have to counteract the other extreme, which is I am constantly looking at looking for a devil in every little thing. That is not how I walk, but I have a mindset that is aware. When something comes, I see the enemy coming. When I am in my watchtower that Jesus told me I need to be in, I see the enemy coming. I can identify him. I know when there's someone good coming at me with a message and someone bad coming at me with a message, someone godly, someone evil. I know what a good thought is and I know what an evil thought is because I have spent a lifetime learning to discern. And what used to take me out for a couple weeks as that the enemy used to be able to throw at me 15 years ago, can't do it now because I have grown in discernment and you have, God is, God is no respecter of persons. God is empowering you the same way to be able to discern and have a proper understanding of the world that you live in. And he tells us, that he doesn't tell us that we are subjected to this darkness, that we are at its mercy. No, he tells us what God does is he tells us to put on the complete armor that we may be able to resist and stand our ground on the evil day in the day of a pandemic, I might add, and having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in our place. Stand therefore holding your ground, having tightened the belt of the truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity. And it says here in verse 15 and having of chapter six and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm footed stability. It says in the amplified, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. You need to have your feet shod every day to face the enemy in preparation. And if all you are doing is listening to things that, that, that are not strengthening you, that are not equipping you, listening, I'm praying that these podcasts are equipping you, that I am releasing tools on how you can maintain spiritual strength and you could continue to advance into the promised land, to take the land. And it says here to lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which we can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one, that we could take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God, that we can pray at all times on every occasion in the spirit. This is what Jesus has done for us. He rose from the dead so that the spirit of God could come and that we can be cloaked with this kind of power to live in the evil day. We are not called to just sit down and know God's taking care of everything. We are called to go and possess the land. And that is why when I read the book of Joshua, when I, when I read these powerful stories of how God led his people into the land, he said, here is the promised land. Just think about what it was like for them. 
Just think about it. What it was like for them to know that there was milk, there was honey, there was huge, gigantic, mutated grapes (laughs) that were going to just be so, so good. God is so good. But yet they knew that there was also going to be a, a, a giant there. You know what those giants were? They, those giants were, they were like unnatural. I know that that's a whole nother topic, but they were, what does it say they were giants? They weren't something normal. They weren't regular sized people. They were, they were giants. They were big. Something about them was supernatural above the natural. But yet God equipped them to go in and take the land, told them to be encouraged and strong. They had to live sober-mindedly. They couldn't go in the promised land just living carelessly. They had to go in as an army. And so as we close out the podcast today, I went a little bit longer than I normally do because this this topic just... um, it gets me riled up because I I want to see the people of God victorious. I want to see you victorious. I want to see you go go through and out of something and to experience the joys, the joys of victory. You know, it was like when I was a kid, they they had, I guess it was Howard Cosell used to have the, you know, the joy, the agony of defeat and the, what was it? The joys of victory and the agonies of defeat. Well, we want to experience the joy of victory. So next week we are going to dive even more into this vigilance and this sober mindedness. We're going to talk about how to keep those runaway emotions in the train station and not on the tracks racing through our minds, because that is important. All of these things going on in our world are designed by the enemy to get our emotions out of control so that we are speaking and thinking in alignment with what he wants us to think and to speak. And then we become defeated. That is his goal. But we are wise to his, we are wise, we are alert to his devices, we are living soberly. We are drunk. The only thing we should be drunk in is the spirit, not in the ways of the world, not in the ideologies of the world. We should be drunk in the spirit, the truth of the word of God, and the actual physical joy that having our fellowship with God gives us. So next week, we're going to, our next podcast, we're going to go into that more. And I encourage you to do get our, get my book, The Radical Rising Remnant. I know that that will equip you even further in this time. We love you here at Kathy Bixel Ministries. Continue to, to follow us on social media. Email us at podcast at kathybixel.com if you want to give us any feedback. We love you. We care about you here. And we are pray- we are keeping our listeners in prayer, uh, trusting that God is going to supernaturally in his wonderful way supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory and visit your family with unprecedented with unprecedented glory in this upcoming Pentecost season that is coming upon us in the next two weeks. We love you. God bless you. And don't forget to to log on next week for our continue this topic. Thank you for listening to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. 
For more information about Kathy, her upcoming itinerary, media resources, and more, visit kathyvixel.com. Again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. The Kathy Bixel Podcast is produced by Newgate Media Copyright 2020.